Good morning, faith family. Invite you to turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. I want to say hello to those gathered in Lakeville in our sanctuary service. Uh, this morning, we get back into the book of Hebrews. Uh, we did a series on this all last fall, and we took a break uh, during December, and we're getting back into it to kind of finish out uh, the book. And we're, we're getting back into the book at a very appropriate place for the beginning of a new year. And we're entering back into the book of Hebrews uh, where it picks up this topic of faith. And uh, we're going to be talking about what is Christian faith? What does it mean to live by faith? Why, why is it important uh, to live by faith? And I think that's a very appropriate thing to think about at the beginning of a year. In fact, what I would want for you in 2019, um, more than financial prosperity or, or family prosperity, that I would certainly want those things for you, I would love for this year to be a year where your faith is stronger than it's ever been before. That this would be a year where you take steps of faith and obedience that you have never experienced before in your walk with God. And so we're going to start out for these few weeks at the beginning of the year looking here at Hebrews chapter 11 and what it means to be a person of faith. And so if you are able to stand in all of our locations, I'll invite you to please do so as we read our passage for this morning. We're actually going to go back and pick up the reading in chapter 10, verse 35, and read into Hebrews 11. The writer is writing here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> he says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Would you please pray for me and with me? Let's ask God to come and talk to us and strengthen us this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we do have now to um, look to your word. We really believe in the proclamation of your word and that in it you speak to us. Has nothing to do with the messenger and everything to do with you meeting us right now in this moment as we look to your word. So, God, come and speak. Holy Spirit, come and move uh, in us and in this place today, we pray in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> if you ever visit the island, you gotta go watch them dance. It happens every evening. <clears throat> right there where the, where the sand and the water meet. And if you go and if you watch, what you'll notice is these little heads that start to emerge. And one by one, as the evening rolls on, before long, the coastline is covered with penguins. The location is Phillips Island, Australia. 
The event is the penguin parade. It happens every evening. This is how it works. In the morning, the penguins will get up and they'll gather there at the shoreline and they'll go out into the water to to catch fish for the day. And, And at sea, they're quite confident. They're fast swimmers. They travel in groups and they're able to gather up enough food to bring home to their babies. But everything changes when they get back. Everything changes when the evening comes. When they get back, they gather there on the edge of the water into a group. They start slowly walking up the beach, and then something strange happens. All of a sudden, a few of them will break off, turn back, and run back to the water. And there they will stand until another group gathers and goes back up. And then some of them will run back. And they just repeat this over and over again until finally they make it safely to their burrow. Why the strange routine? Why all of the back and forth, back and forth? Well, it's actually rather simple. At sea, the penguins, for the most part, are safe. But when they're walking across the open beach, they are prey to a host of predators, whether from the sky or hiding in the weeds. So the entire time that they're walking up that beach, they are filled with a fear of uncertainty that makes some of them want to run back to safety. When I read that, I thought the penguin parade is not just for penguins. It's just like you and me. The reality is you and I have areas in our life that sometimes are so full of uncertainty that we run back to something that gives us safety. You're about to make that purchase But you hesitate and you run back to the spreadsheet and run all the numbers again, you nerd. You've been dating for about 10 years and you're about to ask that question, but you get nervous and you hesitate. Or maybe you're about to trust again, but you hesitate because you've done that before and you got burned. Or maybe you feel like you're supposed to do something different with your life vocationally and you're about to make that move, but you run back to the safety of of a job you've been at for the last 20 years. Maybe you're about to get involved in church, but you hesitate and you pull back because the last time you did that, you got burned. Maybe you know that you ought to follow Christ. You know the gospel is true, but you pull back and you hesitate because you're afraid of what other people might think. And I could go on and on. There are areas in our life where we do this penguin parade. In other words, our life is a series of moving forward and then running back. That is exactly what these Hebrew Christians are doing in their faith. If you were with us last fall, do you remember the context? That these Christians at one point in their life were very confident. They were confident in their faith in God. In fact, look back at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 32. 
But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering. Sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one right here. The author is saying, there was a time when you took it on the chin for Christ. There was a time when you did ministry when doing ministry was hard. There was a time when your faith was strong. Man, you were moving forward and things were uncertain, but you kept pressing on. But you've lost your confidence. Now you're turning back. And those of you that remember the context, they're wanting to run back to Judaism where it's safe. And look at what the author says, verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For... Yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by, talk to me, faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And I think if verse 39 were an email, it'd be all caps. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. I think the author at this point, after writing 10 chapters and laying all this out, is saying enough is enough. It is time to stop wavering in your faith, and it's time to start walking by faith. Two people are excited. All right, that's good. Enough is enough. We are not, as the people of God, those who shrink back. No, we are people who live by faith. What is that? What is faith? I'm glad you asked. Verse one. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not Seen. This is probably one of the most familiar verses in all of Hebrews. I bet if I took a survey, what's the most popular verse in the book of Hebrews, this would be number one or at least in the top three. And yet most people don't understand it. This is the problem I have with favorite verses. You with me? They tend to get plucked out of context and put on a Christian coffee mug or a Christian t-shirt to say something the author didn't actually mean. So what does this famous verse mean? Let's break it down for just a moment. It's really not that complicated. First of all, the verse is what's known as a parallelism. You don't have to remember that other than to know that it's talking about one idea. It's two phrases that parallel each other. It's not two different ideas, but one idea. And both phrases work together to complement one another. Are you still with me? So the first part of the parallelism is this, that faith is assurance... That's the first part that's paralleled with the conviction. Faith is assurance. Faith is the conviction. Now, that part's pretty easy, right? Faith is confidence. It's conviction. It's certainty. Faith is not a, well, I hope so, or if I feel like it, or I'm kind of 50-50 on this, or some kind of blind optimism. Like some of you think that people of faith had to have to wake up like this every morning. Morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. 
those people are obnoxious. Do you know what people I'm talking about? Like they OD'd on fortune cookies. And like everything they say is a cliche. Well, you need some rain to have a rainbow. And I need a fist to punch you. Like, would you just shut up? I don't want to hear that right now. And that's how we tend to think of people of faith, that they're just this overly optimistic people, that everything's going to go my way. The problem with that thinking is you do realize the first person in this list of hall of faith people that we'll get to next week was murdered because of his faith. Needless to say, everything didn't go his way. Because that's not what faith is. Faith is not a confidence that everything will go your way. Faith is a confidence that when it doesn't go your way, God is still with you. That's faith. It is a confidence. It's an assurance. It's a conviction of what? That's the second part of the parallelism. It's an assurance, look at the verse, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So the second part of the parallelism is things hoped for that we don't see. Those ideas go together, they're not two things, they're one thing. Things that we hope for that we don't yet see. So we would ask the question, what are the things as Christians, that's who he's writing to, that we hope for but don't see? New car? (laughs) I hope for that and I certainly don't see it in my future, right? Or more money? Or maybe to get married? That's a good thing. Uh, to get a house? And that's how people tend to interpret this verse. Like, what are the things that you really hope for? What are the things that you really want in life? And you just really, really believe that God will give them to you. Urgh, no! That's not what the author's talking about at all. Here's an idea. Let's, let's actually let the author of Hebrews define what he means, rather than the Christian bookstore. What does the author mean? Because this is not the first time he's brought this kind of thing up before. Look back at Hebrews chapter 6 and look at a very similar passage. In fact, the Greek is the same. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham... Since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, that is, he hoped for something he couldn't see, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things, that's the same Greek as Hebrews 11, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the, say it, hope set before us. Or look at a few verses right before chapter 11, Hebrews 10, and look at verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which is a great reward, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So right here, right here, Lakeville, Sanctuary, everybody. What are the things hoped for, not yet seen, according to the book of Hebrews, not according to the Christian bookstore? It's this, the promises God has made about your future. 
You're confident and assured and convicted of the things you hope for but don't see that God has promised about your future. Like Philippians 1.6, I gave this to you last week. For I am sure of this, that he that began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. John 6.40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Or 1 Peter 1, verse 3 and following. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living, talk to me, hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through, talk to me, faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. 1 John 3, 2, beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. We don't yet see it, but we know, we're confident that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Can't wait for that. Amen? Can you handle one more? I know you can. Revelation 21, verse 1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Come on, faith family. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more and neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away and God's people said, amen. What a future. What a future that God has said will be so. Those are things we hope for yet do not see and yet we are confident. This is Christian faith. Notice it on the screen. Christian faith is confidence in the future promises of God because of the God who promises. It is the absolute conviction of, assurance of, and confidence in the promises God has for your future. In other words, faith, if you want to write this down, faith is future certainty based on divine integrity. It's future certainty that's based on divine integrity. This is so much easier than most teachers and preachers of the word make it out to be. Let me just give you an illustration to show you how easy this is, how easy it is to understand Christian faith. You ready? Look at these words on the screen. Okay, character, promise, time, faith. This is, this is so, so, so simple. Ready? Your boss is somebody of integrity. Your boss makes a promise that you're going to get a raise in six months. And everybody said, amen, right? But that hasn't happened yet. It's going to be six months before it happens. There's a, there's a time delay. But your faith, your confidence is strong. Why? Because your boss is somebody that has integrity. Or look at the flip side. Your friend is not trustworthy. Your friend promises you to meet you after church for coffee. You're waiting on your friend to show up, but you're not very confident. Why? Because your friend's not very trustworthy. This is easy. Is everybody with me? Lakeville Sanctuary. So now let's apply it to the text. God doesn't lie. 
His character is flawless and unchanging. God has made promises about your future. And that hasn't happened yet. You hope for it, but it's not yet seen. But you have faith. You have confidence. You have assurance. Why? Because God promised. That's Christian faith. It's that simple. It's absolute confidence in the promises of God because of the God who promised. Now, let me pull out of that a few implications. I might get loud. I'm going to sit down, take a deep breath, okay? I'm going to get fired up here because I'm so, I'm on like a campaign. I'm so tired of hearing nonsense when it comes to Christian faith out there in the, the Christian community. Let's, what is Christian faith? Based on what we just talked about, what are some implications? Number one, you ready? Can I stand up now? Okay. If anybody's a counselor, I may need to meet with you when all this is over, okay? Number one, faith is based on facts. I am so tired of hearing people talk about faith as though it's based on nothingness. Like it's some kind of blind hope. Faith is based on actual promises. Now, we don't always know how those things will come to pass, but we know they will. It's like, do you remember that line in Miracle on 34th Street? Four of you do. The mom is talking to the little girl and she says this, faith is believing when common sense tells you not to. No, it isn't. That's not what faith is. Faith is not believing in things when common sense tells you no. Faith is believing in things because God told you so. It's based on something. God has said, and I believe it. Faith is based on actual facts, actual promises. Number two, faith in God is strengthened by the word of God. Faith, this is so simple. This is so simple. Lakeville Sanctuary, come on, come on, everybody, everybody. How in the world do you think you're going to know what God's promises are if you don't read them? You wonder why your faith is weak? It's because you're not looking at the promises that God has said. You know the verse in Romans? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Uh, the promises of God, he's given you. He's not been silent about them. He has spoken. The problem is very few of us take time to actually know what they are. Notice this on the screen. If your faith is weak, it's because you haven't been lifting the word. You're like that dude at the gym that just stares at the weights. (laughs) I'm gonna get buff. I'm not gonna do anything. I'm just gonna stare. And hope I get strong. You num num. <laughs> you know that's not how it works. If you're gonna get strong, you gotta lift the weight. If you're gonna be confident in the promises of God, you gotta know what they are and repeat them constantly in your life. Come on. Faith in God is strengthened by the Word of God. Here's the third. Now, you thought I was preaching now. You wait, I'm about to go off here. 
I'm going to hold on tight, okay? This is big. This is big. This is so important. This is so important. And it's all based on, on how we're looking at Christian faith here. What this means is that faith is not confidence in what God didn't promise. Faith is not confidence in what God didn't promise. Here's what I mean. Faith is not confidence in what you want God to do. Faith is confidence in what God said he would do. Do you know why some people have walked away from the faith? Do you know why some of you here today, Lakeville Sanctuary, are bitter and angry towards God? Here's why. You put words in his mouth. You put your confidence in a situation where you wanted God to do what you wanted God to do, but God never made a promise about that. That's not faith. Faith is confidence in what God said. Some of you are saying, well, I just believed that God was going to heal my dad and I'm upset. I just believed that God was going to give me that promotion. I just believed that everything was going to go my way. Which just means you created your own God. Or at least you created a promise he didn't make. He said he'd be with you in all of those. He said he would never leave you or forsake you in all those. But you put your faith in something God didn't say. That's not faith. Faith is the confidence, the assurance, the conviction of things hoped for but not yet seen. That is the promises God has said. So look at the summary right here. Faith is the confidence in what God has said. So I need to know what he said and what he didn't say. Somebody say preach. Faith is confidence in what God has said. So I need to know what he said and what he didn't say. That is Christian faith. Now, how do I know I have that confidence? How do I know that I have faith? I'm really glad you asked that. Verse 2. For by it, that is by faith, the people of old, Old Testament believers, receive their commendation. We're not going to take much time this morning to look at this because we'll start it next week as we look through all these men and women, examples that the author gives of people that lived by faith. And there's going to be one obvious theme throughout all of this, which is this. The way right here, everybody, Lakeville Sanctuary, the way you know you have, a, the way you have confidence is obedience. The way you know you have confidence is obedience because faith works. Works do not justify faith. Works verify faith. That is, how do you know you have confidence in God? You're ready, you do crazy things for God. How do you know you have confidence in God? You do crazy things for God. That's what we're going to spend a few weeks looking at here in Hebrews 11. These men and women in the Old Testament, they did crazy things for God. I don't mean unwise. I mean that in the eyes of the world, you look insane. You know, like building an ark to survive a flood when nobody had even seen it rain. Crazy. 
or being really, really wealthy and leaving it all to go to a foreign land that you don't even know what it's going to be, or believing that you'll be the father or mother of many nations when you haven't even had a baby yet, or forgiving your brothers when they wanted to drag you out in the middle of nowhere and leave you for dead, or leaving the luxury of Pharaoh's court to identify with a slave people, or taking your army against an enemy when you're outnumbered 400 to 1. In other words, what you're going to discover, come on, come on, come on, what you're going to discover is that there were actions in the life of people who had faith that the only way you would do such a thing is if you were absolutely confident in God. Because there's an external working of faith. It's not just I'm really confident and I do nothing with it. It's that I'm so confident in God, I live with boldness, with courage. I do crazy things because I'm confident in God. That's what people of faith do. They're so convinced of their future. They act like it is so, even when it doesn't appear to be so, but you know that it will be so because God said so. Did you get all that down? If not, you're right too slow. You're so convinced of your future. You act like it is so, even when it doesn't appear to be so, but you know it will be so because God said so. That's, <laughs> that's normal Christianity. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. I didn't even plan to say this, and they're going to count it against my time, but I don't care. The problem is most of you are sitting there thinking, well, this is for like the super Christians. And the author is saying, no, this is actually just normal Christianity. This is just what it means to be a Christian, which is to live a life confident in God so that you do crazy things in the eyes of the world for God. This illustration, it's, it's, it's quite old. It, it came from a very famous, he used to be a pastor, but now he's more of an evangelical uh, speaker. Many of you have heard of him, Francis Chan. Um, he gave an illustration several years ago. It was a YouTube sensation. In fact, three minutes on YouTube and you can watch it. I'm not going to show you the clip, but, but here's an image of the illustration that he gave. Remember the balance beam? Some of you have seen that illustration. He talks about this idea of imagining somebody in the Olympics, that it's their time for the balance beam. And, and what they do is they say, you know what? I'm not going to do any, anything that's crazy. I'm not going to do anything that's unsafe. I'm not going to do anything that would risk anything. I'm just going to hold on to the balance beam until the buzzer sounds. <laughs> Let's put that image back up there. I'm just going to hold on. And I'm going to play it safe and I'm going to be super comfortable. And then when the buzzer sounds, I'm going to jump up and lift up my hands and the judge will be so impressed. Wow, you did the safest, most comfortable, most didn't risk a thing routine you could possibly do. And then he goes on to say, why are so many Christians living that way? I'm going to approach this life confident in God in the safest, most comfortable, most avoiding any risk at all life possible. That's contrary to faith. 
and you expect that when the buzzer sounds and you stand before God, he's going to be so impressed by your faith. People that are confident in God do crazy things for God. What's crazy in your life? I don't mean unwise. I just mean it's so much grounded in the kingdom of God, the world of humanity can't make sense out of it. And I'm not even talking about selling everything you have and moving to a hut in Africa. Maybe that's what God calls some of you to do. I mean like this, forgiving like God forgives. That's crazy. Loving like God loves, that's crazy. Giving with gospel generosity, that's crazy. Anything that is of the kingdom of God will look crazy to the world. So in the eyes of the world, do you look normal or crazy? Because you're confident in God. The essence of Christian faith has an external working, a living out. And maybe you would say, I mean, I want to be that confident. Pastor, you don't understand. I mean, I'm hearing you preach, and I, I desire that. I, I want to do crazy things for God. I want to do things that are contrary to the world. I just, I, come on, can I just be honest with you, Pastor? I just struggle with things I don't see. I want to believe these things, but I just need some evidence. Is that you this morning? Do you, do you, do you want some evidence? As Christians, we're not uh, afraid of evidence. Bring on the evidence. Can I give you some evidence? Verse <laughs> 3. This is so good. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is such a great argument, okay? You want evidence? Anybody here want some evidence? Here we go. Look around you. What do you see? I see the sun. I see stars. I see uh, earth. I see trees. I see lakes. I see human beings. I see animals. That's what I see. Good. Do you realize at one point those things were not seen? And what made those things seen is when God said so. Let there be light and there was. In other words, everything that you see around you was at one point unseen until God spoke it into being. So it is with your future. There's evidence all around you that God speaks from things that are unseen and brings them into sight. And one day he will do that with his promises. I'll give you another one that's faithful to the text in Hebrews. Am I, I feel like I'm preaching this. I am fired up, man. Israel. Israel. The author's going to talk about Abraham being the father of many nations. How many of you, this is not a trick question. Okay, Lakeville Sanctuary participate. How many of you show hands believe that there is actually a thing called the nation of Israel, that that's a real thing in the world? Raise your hands. Not a trick question. 
please tell me every hand went up, okay? (laughs) Did you go to school? Okay, yes, absolutely. Do you realize that at one point in history, there was no such thing as a nation of Israel? You couldn't see it. Until one day, God called Abraham and he spoke Israel into existence. I'll give you another one. This is the best one, by the way. The evidence of Christ. Do you realize that all these Old Testament people were believing in a Messiah they didn't see? Their faith was based on the hope of a Messiah that they didn't yet see. But do you know what? We get to live on the part of redemptive history where we know that Jesus lived. We know that Jesus died. We know that Jesus rose again. In other words, God brought into sight in the person of Jesus Christ what none of those Old Testament believers could see. Isn't that good Here's the point, here's the point, here's the point, right here on the screen. Christian, come on, come on, Christian, you should be confident because you're surrounded by lots of evidence. You're surrounded by lots of evidence where God spoke things into being. And so it will be with your future. You with me? Is this a good way to start the new year? I'm excited. Faith is the confidence, assurance, conviction of the things we hope for but don't yet see. It's confident in the promises of God because of the God who promises. And I'm so confident in it, it makes me do crazy things, which is really just basic obedience. And I do so because I've got all the evidence in the world, including the world, to know that I can believe. Faith family, if you're here today and you are like those penguins standing on the shore, walking up that beach of uncertainty, and you feel like the easiest thing for you to do in your faith would just be to turn around and run back, let me say this to you. That may be what penguins do. That's not what the people of God do. We are not of those who shrink back. We are those who live by faith. Why? Because the author and founder and perfecter of our faith has already walked through the beach of uncertainty. He has already defeated the predator waiting in the weeds. And for the joy set before him endured the cross. We don't shrink back because Jesus is the assurance of things hoped for. Jesus is the conviction of things we do not see. And all God's people said, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this passage. I pray for boldness of faith. As we start this new year, what a way to start. Oh, that this year would be a year of faith, a year of confidence in you and the things that you have promised for us. If there is somebody here today and they do not know Jesus Christ, there is a promise in your word. And the promise goes like this. If you will confess with your mouth, 
and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And so I pray if there's somebody here that's never believed that they would turn from their sin and they would believe in Jesus, that they, for the first time, would take that first step of faith. Others in this place as Christians, and yet we're just kind of holding on to the balance beam, playing it as safe as we can, I pray that you would build in us that confidence, that assurance, that conviction that what you have said about us is absolutely true to the point that we begin to live by faith. God, come talk to us. Come move us. Come take us to greater steps of faith than we have ever known before. I pray that in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen.